Taylor Nathan. Did you hear about Tarantino's new film? Hell yeah, the movie critic. The movie critic. You know what that means? What? Well, because well, we're movie critics. Dude, I saw the comments on the Little Mermaid trailer reaction. They love us, all right? We gotta do it. We are good critics. Exactly. So I'm gonna call up Tarantino, and we're gonna be in that movie. But it's set in the 70s. <laughs> what? We, we, we'll look like we're from the 70s. Dude, they, they got a costume department up the wazoo for that film. All right? I'm going to call him up. you have his number? No, but I found it on Reddit, I think. So I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah, good luck. I'll clear my schedule. Welcome Back to the Real Talk Podcast, episode 79. I'm your host, Nathan. And as always, I'm joined by the man himself, Matthew Nevis to my left. Thank you, thank you. And today, we are going to be discussing Quentin Tarantino and answering the question, is Quentin Tarantino overrated? Thought it was a good time to talk about Tarantino because Mm -hmm. he has confirmed that he is working on his 10th film, 10th and final film. Oh my God. The Movie Critic. And uh, he just turned 60 years old, so shout out to Quentin. Happy yeah. birthday. Legend. Fucking A. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited that this is his last film, because I think he said in an interview where he's like, I, he's, I'm, I'm not a fan of directors that like just direct past their prime, and it's just like, he, this is what he's going to consider his best work, so it's like, after this, I'm done. I'm just going to write books. I get it. And I think it's legendary. As much as I want to say I want to see as much Tarantino as we can, because I really do think he's a a genius director, Mm -hmm. it's legendary to just be like, I'm doing 10, they're all bangers in their own way, and that's it. Oh, yeah. I I, kind of like that, because not a lot of directors get that luxury. They kind of just milk it until the the end. But there are exceptions to that. I don't agree with Tarantino saying, like, once you're past 60, your films are shit. I'm like, ah, Hitchcock. Yeah, a lot of Hitchcock's films. No, I don't agree. With, I don't agree with that either. I think yeah. you can be old and have great films. Yeah, but I do respect the the ten. Like, not like I'm sure Tarantino's been offered some big franchise. I know he's been offered some big Absolutely. franchises. Yeah, I know that there was even a time where he was helping write a a Halloween reboot. Yes, Halloween. I heard that. The one I heard uh, was Star Trek. <laughs> he was supposedly going to direct and write a Star Trek film, which I thought was hilarious because the thing is, like, J.J. Abrams' Star Trek is... Uh, I don't even have to say it. It's gonna, it was going to be super different than Tarantino's Star Trek. So, like, seeing yeah. the contrast would have been hilarious. I think Tarantino would have made a really solid Star Trek film, but, like... I also think he would have made an amazing Halloween. Yeah. And as a big fan of the Halloween franchise, even though most of them are very bad... Yeah. It, I think it would, how refreshing would it have been to see a Tarantino Michael Myers kill fest? Yeah, <laughs> just like the best of islands. Oh yeah, I I do agree. I think I think that is really cool. Um, Missed opportunity not getting to see a horror Tarantino film. That would have been cool. Yeah, but I also kind of appreciate the fact that like he has not worked on any existing IPs. Yeah, all that the, is cool. All the shit that he's done, he's written himself, and it's, it's all shit. of his original ideas. Yeah, as you would put it, it's the Tarantino verse. Mm-hmm. Because, well, there's a lot of connections here and there, which I think is pretty fucking cool. The first one I noticed was the Vega Brothers. I don't know if you noticed that. 
Where, where's the connection? Michael Madsen's character is uh, something Vega. I forgot his name, but he was in Reservoir Dogs. And then Vincent Vega was Travolta's in Pulp oh, Fiction. Oh, yeah. They were brothers. Yeah, Vincent Vega, I know for yeah. sure. But I forgot that the other guy's name was Vega. Michael Madsen's yeah. character was Vega yeah, in man. Reservoir Dogs. Damn. They, they were supposed. He wanted to make a Vega Brothers film, but I think after Kill Bill Volume 2, you realize, oh, wait, Michael Madsen, Travolta, they look way older than when they died in the movies. Yeah, after yeah. 2004. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Travolta was looking different. He is a little, little bit different. Also, spoilers for every single film. So if you haven't seen any Tarantino films, uh, wake the fuck up and watch them. Oh, go see them. It's like, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. It's not like a, it's not like one of those daunting tasks where it's like uh, to watch this whole director's filmography. He's got nine. Exactly. He's got nine. They're all good in their own way. And, and I, I think most people will find a couple that they enjoy at least. Have you seen all of them? I have seen every single one. Yeah. Yes, I, I have. Uh, not some I haven't seen recently. Like Kill Bill used to give on Teletoon at night. That's a oh, that's set. a good one. Oh, Teletoon like, at night's fucking. Kill awesome, Bill man. used to play on Teletoon at night. My last rewatch might have been on Teletoon at night. So it's okay. like th- that one. Like I kind of need a refresher for. Yeah. Like I know the plot, but I can't, I haven't. I don't have it too fresh in my head. Right. Right. But yeah, I in 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 some kind of capacity, I've seen every single one. Fucking a man. That's another thing, too, is, like, a lot of his films, like, there are some underrated, despite the fact that there's, there's only nine, but I, I think he has made some underrated films. 100%. And uh, I do have my hot takes. You have your hot takes. I'd love to hear yours right off the bat, because, you know. Right off the bat, man, his most underrated, I'm going to say, is Jackie Brown. That's a good Jackie movie. Jackie Brown, the soundtrack of that film. Yeah. Like... The, I I re I watched it for the first time. That was like the last one I needed to watch because mm-hmm. it was like is one that sold the like did the worst in box office. Yeah, and I wasn't really at the you know I wasn't really familiar with like Pam Greer and stuff, and, mm-hmm. and now I understand that she's like a seventies legend with oh yeah Foxy Brown and yes. kind of movies right. But um, wow, she kills it. What a cool cast. What a cool uh, Robert De Niro role. Yes, unexpected Robert De Niro role in that movie. Great Michael Keaton role in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael Keaton's and, in this role. And my biggest hot take of that movie: this is Samuel L. Jackson's best performance. Whoa, Beaumont Livingston is is amazing. I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one. My favorite Sam Jackson performance is uh, the Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis. I seen that. I love that role. I I was like, dude, there's something about his performance in that that just feels so personal to him. And then when I did found that out, come out Hold uh, on. in the '90s. Long, yeah. It was a Shane Black written film, wonderfully directed. Loved the it's hell out of it. Uh, Rennie Harlan directed it. But you know what's funny? Right after I watched that film, I was like looking up like interviews and stuff. Sam Jackson, Sam Jackson was on Jimmy Fallon. He's like, name your top five performances, and he named you know um, Pulp Fiction, Star Wars, all these films, and then just out of nowhere, his number one was Long Kiss Goodnight. Was it? Yeah, he's like, I love that film. Like, I love that character. It was so good. I was like, yeah, but no, I do agree. Jackie Brown, his performance in that was fucking amazing. Something about something about Beaumont that I just love. Yeah. You know what sucks too? And I, I think I know why not a lot of people talk about Jackie Brown is because like after Reservoir Dogs. Oh, sorry, is, sorry, I want to correct myself before somebody goes off in the <gasps> comment. It's not Beaumont. His name's Ordell. Beaumont is his friend. Oh Ordell. Ordell. Wait, who's Beaumont in the Ordell Roby. Beaumont is um Was that? Oh let me think I was 
I swear to God, Chris Tucker was. Isn't it? Isn't it Chris Tucker? Chris Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. And it was that nice conversation they both had. It was. That's an epic scene. Oh my God. Um, but no, uh, coming back to Jackie Brown, I think the reason why it doesn't get talked about as much is because after Pulp Fiction, that was a big fucking deal. Yeah. Like that was, um, I think that won best original screenplay and it just took all the awards. It made a ton of money. So like the studio was like, all right, Quentin, we want you to make like Pulp Fiction too. Basically, they wanted a Pulp Fiction 2. They marketed it as like that because, mm-hmm. oh, look, Sam Jackson's in the film. Look, De Niro's in it this time. Right. We got the big fucking names. But Jackie Brown is nothing like Pulp Fiction. And that's no. amazing about it. That's what makes it amazing. It's so distinct from itself that um, it, it takes on different things. And the pacing is different and beautifully done. It's like, beautifully done. The music is so infectious. Like I was playing the Jackie Brown soundtrack on Spotify oh, yeah. for weeks after. Yeah, it's 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 my favorite, probably my favorite soundtrack in a in a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, it might be my favorite Robert Forster uh, performance. Oh, Forster kills yeah. it. Forster's amazing, in it. and you would never think that Robert Forster and Pam Greer are gonna have like yeah. great chemistry, and they do. It's like some of the best chemistry you've ever seen in film. It's yeah. amazing. Oh, it's amazing. Like I love it. Um, Robert Forster, the the guy has so much charisma. I oh, wish no. I want to see more films from him. You know, rest in peace. I think he passed away like a couple years back. Um, I recently finished Breaking Bad because Nathan gave that huge recommendation mm-hmm. right off the start, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm watching it." He's in it at the very end. He was in El Camino, and dude, yeah. even with the smallest screen time, that fucking guy—he's a great actor. Yeah, man. And he he has credited Quentin Tarantino as reviving his career. Yeah, which is something that Quentin Tarantino is very famous for. Yeah. I mean, we look at Pulp Fiction. Uh, John Travolta wasn't in the in the best place in his career. Mm-hmm. And looking back, it's kind of hard to remember, but yeah. in the '90s, he just he wasn't that guy anymore. No, he wasn't the the, the young, good-looking guy from Greece anymore. Yeah, things had kind of changed, and he wasn't getting those leading roles like he used to. Mm-hmm. And he was doing a lot of like straight-to-DVD movies. Yeah, he did a lot of a lot of shit films, <laughs> yeah. and it sucks because a lot of actors like you look back and you're like. Travolta's one of them, Mickey Rourke's one of them, Eric Roberts. Like, uh-huh. dude, these people were in so many great films back in the day. Yeah. And you look you look at what they're making now and you're like, Ugh. it's an ugly side of Hollywood, yeah. eh? It's like, ah, uh, when you don't fit the bill of this this type of character anymore. Yeah. Even though if you're a good actor, it's exactly. like, uh, we'll find somebody else. Yeah. But I'm glad like Travolta and uh, a few other cast members from Pulp Fiction and other films have gotten that spark. Like, I'll be honest, like, if it wasn't for Inglorious Bastards, would anyone know who Christoph Waltz was? I hope so. I, I really so. do. But that role fucking made him huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Bro, Christoph Waltz in Inglorious Bastards is so scary. It's so good. It's so Hans good. Landa yeah. is such a scary, intimidating character. That scene where he's drinking the milk. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That that fucks that like, oh my god. Bro, that's just Tarantino writing. Pacing his character work at its finest. Mm-hmm. Tarantino has some of the best characters ever written on film, I think. He does. He, he really does. And that's the thing, too. A lot of people try to replicate that. Because I recently saw Pulp Fiction again. This was this is probably the, the third or fourth time I've seen it. So, so did I'm I, like, actually. I did, I, I did a rewatch recently. Yeah. I love the poster, too. It's Uma Thurman, despite the fact that she's in it for like 20 minutes, 25 minutes. But that doesn't matter. Such her a, presence is, gr- is there. Yo, but her 20 minutes... 
you can't look away from this. Exactly. Scene. It's amazing. Her date with John Travolta. Yes. It goes slow, but it's probably my favorite scene in the whole film. Very iconic. Very iconic. And a lot of scenes in the film are iconic. But I was thinking in my head, like, how many people were influenced by this type of writing, this type of dialogue? Because mm-hmm. you look back at it and it's just like, were there any films before that that had two characters talking about like McDonald's? And like, like making references to like real worlds? Yeah. Like, yeah. I know but if, it didn't come out of nowhere. It went with the story. That's the coolest thing it about it. It worked so well. And it made the characters more relatable and mm-hmm. likable in a non-forced way. It just yeah. felt like you were hanging out with these people. Right? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I really... I really fucking love that. That's definitely to Tarantino's credit. Like when you see that in movies now, that's Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Influence. It's uh the people, people fucking coined it. Tar- Tarantino esque. Mm-hmm. A lot of directors don't get that type of credibility, but you know, he certainly uh, deserved it. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of like kill bill volume one and two. One of my hot takes is I kind of prefer volume two over volume one. I love volume one. I think it's fucking iconic. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't deny that the the climax battle with uh, Uma Thurman and Lucy Liu like that's it's great. Come on, it's that, great. It's fucking amazing. Everyone knows the soundtrack to Kill Bill. Yes, it's been parodied so many times. Um, but the thing I liked about Volume Two was the dialogue, and it was way more. It didn't double down because I yeah, was worried. It's true. It continued. Yes, it didn't double down. It yeah. continued. Because they could have easily done like, all right, we did this many action scenes in volume one. We're going to do a shit ton more. Which is how 99% of sequels get made, right? Yeah. It's always like, let's how far can we push make, it? Make it bigger. Yeah. But volume two didn't do that. To me, it it gave off a very late, not laid back, but it, it's just the, the writing in that. Like I always think of what Bill talks to uh, the bride about Superman. The concept. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's so Tarantino, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's like, this is the last scene in the fucking movie. Mm -hmm. And he's just talking about that. And it's so, and it doesn't come off out of nowhere like, what the fuck? Why? You know, it's naturally written and the way it's performed. I think the reason it doesn't try and like uh, outdo itself or, you know, set the bar higher is because he wrote it all as one story Mm -hmm. and it was originally all supposed to come out in this one really long movie. Yeah. And I think it was actually, um, Harvey Weinstein's idea. Ooh. Uh, I don't even know if I could say that guy's name, but (laughs) well, that's the sad thing about it. And we, of course we won't go too much. Yeah. But But a lot of films from Miramax, it's a big part of Tarantino's history. Yeah. Uh, Weinstein, really believed in Tarantino yeah. and gave him a lot of green lights for these 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 ideas, right? But Tarantino did call him out at a couple things and being like, you're a fucking dumbass with this decision. Definitely. Like yeah. Reservoir Dogs. I saw, him, I saw him on Joe Rogan. Did you see that? I think that, I saw uh, that, that one. Podcast? Yeah. That, was a, that was a really good interview. Really good interview. I like Tarantino the way he handles interviews. I love his passion. Yeah. When he's talking about film. Mm-hmm. He turns childlike when talking about film. And that really excites me, and it really, like, I can connect with that because I, I, I too get childlike when talking about f- films that really excite me, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so t- I, I like really like that about Tarantino, the, and my, I love listening to all his. My stuff. favorite interview is when one lady is just like, "Why, why all the violence? Why all the violence?" It's like because it's so much fun, <laughs> yeah. Jan. Get it? That's oh. the best Tarantino interview of all time. How much simpler can you get? Because it's so much <laughs> fun. <laughs> and it was, and it is. Like all the violence in his films are not like 
they're very out there. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Uh, people, that is kind of like a criticism of Tarantino, too much violence or mm. unnecessary violence. Yeah. I don't think so. No, especially if you've seen tons of tons of films nowadays. Like, the only difference between, like, like a Michael Bay film and Tarantino film when it comes to violence is that Bay doesn't have all the blood squibs and mm-hmm. all that shit, but that's what makes it cool. It's the same shit. You watch a Transformers film and it's like, look how much destruction there is. The amount of people dying. It's a movie. And Tarantino is very self-aware. He knows he's making a movie. Yeah. And it's not real life. People are not dying. Yeah. So just go all out. Exactly. But I can sense the hypocrisy, though. It's like, why the fuck does he get shit? But like, you watch, you take your kids to Avengers Infinity War, where half the people in the movie die. Oh, but there's no blood, so it's fine. Yeah. It's such such hypocrisy. Come on. For real. Yeah. Jesus. That's that's definitely not a warranted criticism of Tarantino. Yeah. There's a lot of weird criticism. Like, recently with the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, some uh, critic was talking about the... I think Margot Robbie's character, Sharon Tate, uh, didn't say a lot of lines in the film. So they're like, oh, that's not good character, is it? And Tarantino just was like, "Um, I I reject your hypothesis. And then just moved on with the question. What are your thoughts on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Because I feel like that's that one kind of got split review. Like some people like it and some people don't. I like it because it shows Tarantino at his most like experienced yeah. You can tell the film was made by someone who just knows everything about filmmaking. He's just flexing. Yeah. And he's Some just of those like, shots, you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. And the shit that he was able to pull off on Hollywood Boulevard, yeah. changing the signs, doing everything real, no CG, everything practical. Yeah. That production design team, props, holy shit. The highest level of production design. Yeah. Like, I watch that movie and feel like I know what it was like to grow up in the 70s in Hollywood. The cars. The fucking cars. Like, really think about it. You're trying to set this in 1968, 1969. A lot of those props are super old. The Cinerama Dome, all that shit. Like, how do you... God, how did he do that stuff? I fucking love it. I love the aesthetic, but I also love the fact that it wasn't the obvious Tarantino route where it's just like, oh, wait a minute. Is it just going to be like the other films he's done? And mm-hmm. he's like, no, it's not. It's very much like you follow DiCaprio's story. You follow Brad Pitt's story. You follow Margot Robbie's. It's not my favorite Tarantino film. I think no. it's like pretty solid. And I think Brad Pitt's my favorite character in the film because of the speculations from him as the stunt guy who may or may not have killed his wife. Brad Pitt's Bruce a great Bruce character. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Bruce Lee controversy, too. <laughs> yeah. Yo, every MMA uh, fucking mar- mixed martial arts is like, oh, when they saw the film, they're like, the fuck is this? Yeah, everyone is mad. It's like, it's a fucking movie. Yeah. Um, Tarantino said it best. It's like, I understand from the relatives of Bruce Lee, but everyone else can shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, Everybody yeah. else, what you knew Bruce Lee? You knew him better than Tarantino? Like, exactly. I, I, I yeah. get the relatives, but. Exactly. Um, what an odd thing. that It feels like every film from his catalog had a little, like, pew. Of like, hey, by the way, I'm not a fan of this. And then, no, nah, he's still going. He's like, I don't I give think, a fuck. Yeah, I think that just happens when you get a guy with a very singular vision. And that's Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to bend over for a studio or make decisions by committee. 
Yeah. He's going to be like, no, this is how I want to do it. And if people don't like it, it's, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's I, okay with it. Exactly. I even read like an article um, about them like doing some questionnaires of people during Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's like, why are you seeing this film? Mm-hmm. Are you seeing it because of the cast? Are you seeing it because of this, that, that? 35% of them said because uh, of the director. I don't know who else is involved in it, but I hear Quinn Tarantino. I want to watch it. And it's kind of refreshing seeing that high of a percentage for a movie nowadays because most of the time nobody knows who the fuck directs these movies. These days, these days, that's <laughs> even more rare than ever. And yeah. and what's really cool about that is in 2019, his name is bigger than ever. Yeah. Considering that Reservoir Dogs came out in 1992. Yeah. It's, it's, I love that. I love that, like, the his work has been resonating for people that the didn't grow up power, during that time. The staying power of this. Like, like I, I mean, we didn't. We weren't alive in the '90s. Like nope. we grew up in the 2000s. Yeah, we all knew what the Pulp Fiction poster looked like. Yeah, every single one of us. It's so iconic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the staying power of these films are is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I I really love that. Um, I love the fact that he did two Western films, Django Unchained oh, and The Hateful Eight. Django. Those are some good fucking movies. Django is a masterpiece. Yeah. And I'll say it now, my favorite of his filmography. Really? Yep. Damn. Django to me is so perfect. Like the perfect movie. I love the characters. I I've always been a huge fan of Jamie Foxx. Mm-hmm. I think he kills it in that role. Yeah. Christoph Waltz oh, yeah. kills it. Mm-hmm. I love Django. The music, yeah. everything about Django is awesome. It's it's pretty cool. Which is riding what? the horse and they play Rick Ross. Oh, come I love on. that part. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, you can't deny that. <laughs> That, that scene is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, which reminded me of like the Hateful Eight and how I was watching it and looking back at Django Unchained and Hateful Eight coming back like the release dates, it reminded me of like Hateful Eight was like the Jackie Brown of this era. It was. Because it came out right after Django Unchained, this fucking huge film. Huge by the way, controversial. Jay, by the way, Django Unchained and Pulp Fiction, Tarantino won Oscars for both writing. Wow. <laughs> He's won two Oscars and those are the films he won them for. Um, good for him. But yeah, Hateful Eight. Nobody talked about it as much. I fucking love it. Love Hateful Eight. I think it's great. Uh, a lot of people were like talking about the blocking. I think it's it's one of my favorites when it comes to Tarantino blocking a scene because it very much, he understands the environment of the cabin and he makes it look so interesting despite the fact that it's only in one fucking location. That, I always admire that, that kind of, those kind of films. Mm-hmm. And the way, yeah, the way it's so interesting and you're so intrigued and as soon as you get in that cabin, you're never leaving. Yeah. That's where the camera stays. That's where we stay. Yeah. I it's amazing. It. Did it's, they make an extended version of that, Hateful Eight? If they did, I haven't seen it. Okay. But I would like to. Because I thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, any viewers who are watching, but Hateful Eight on Netflix, I think they made it into chapters, but because they did it into chapters, they made the scenes longer. So Ooh. it's like, instead of it being like under... T- three hours i think it's like three hours and 10 minutes so an extra 15 oh. 20 i don't know maybe i'm just bullshitting but that's what i've been hearing if that's the case i would like to watch that for sure hateful eight's a banger I've seen it multiple times yeah i think the funniest thing about hateful eight is the um the the lincoln letter dude bro dude. how dude <laughs> that is so amazing i that one and also when Sam Jackson talks to the general and he's like, I met your son. <laughs> <laughs> I met your son. Let me tell you that story. That's so 
fucking hilarious, awesome, intense. Like those are the kind of scenes that I'm like, wow, I could never write something like this. This is so amazing. Yeah, it's writing at the highest level. It's my favorite kind of writing. It it really is. Yeah. That, that oh man. And a cool story about Django and Chain that I learned uh, reading his new book, mm-hmm. uh, Cinema Speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tarantino grew up uh, with a single mom, okay. and his mom lived um, in an apartment with some of her friends, and she was a waitress. And and there was guys coming in out of the house. They were either dating his mom yeah. or her friends. So And one guy kind of stuck around for a while and was really into film mm-hmm. and young quentin had nobody to talk to uh, about films with right so he really took to this guy and this guy was he was kind of a shady character street guy yeah but he loved film so quentin loved him right yeah and he loved him so much that he actually wrote a screenplay and that that quentin had read before he passed and what was the screenplay about a black cowboy fuck yeah man so that Fuck was yeah. that was Tarantino's inspiration for Django Unchained, and he basically took this guy's bo- the bones of this guy's script and uh, and made it one of the biggest movies ever, which That's is so nice. cool. That's so nice. Yeah, I, I really that. like that story. Oh my god. Um, okay, we are we are wow. We we, we kind of just went crazy. Ever. Um, all right, you know what? Let's talk about our least favorite Tarantino films because there's there's gonna be one. There's nine of them. There's gonna be one at the last. What is yours? It's probably death proof. Fuck, man. It's it's kind of it's most people's. I, I I I know he was doing something different, and I could appreciate that, but it just didn't resonate with me as much as these other films. Do I think Death Proof is a bad movie? I don't. Yeah. But if I'm if I have to compare it to these nine great films that he's made, mm-hmm. it's gonna be my least favorite. Okay. I I got my least favorite. You're fucking ready. Drop it on me. This is my hottest take. From Tarantino. My least favorite. Still a good film. I just don't see myself watching it anytime soon. <sighs> Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, you know what? That's my second least favorite. Whoa, really? Yeah, it really is. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. I get it. A lot of people love the scenes. I I, I love Christoph Waltz's performance. Yeah. It's my favorite performance. But like... Oh, it's great. I don't know. Something about it just doesn't didn't resonate with me as much as these other ones it didn't click the way i thought it was compared to the other films he did and i also like death proof but i like it because you know it's um what is it rosario dawson um that other actress elizabeth and uh the other actress beating the shit out of kurt russell at the end <laughs> yeah Dude, that's the funnish that's so awesome and the stunts I love Kurt Russell in that movie. Like, oh yeah, Kurt Russell's awesome. I love. He's just awesome in general. Kurt Russell's always awesome. But I do agree with the Death Proof, where it's like, okay, I get it's trying to authenticate the '70s, but not everything was good in the '70s. (laughs) So when you do stuff like that, I'm like, eh, you know, I get, I get the criticism when it comes to that. Let's uh, do a quick top three, and then, and then finish off with his new movie. The the news on his new movie. So my top three. I'll start right now. Is uh, number three Ooh. is gonna be um, <clears throat> Jackie, Jackie Brown. Okay. Number two, Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Number one, Django Unchained. All right, that's my list. Here's mine. I'm going Jackie Brown, Hateful Eight, Pulp Fiction. 
Three, two, one. Not Baby. a lot of people have Hateful Eight in their Tarantino top three, and I respect it. It's definitely in my top five. I yeah. love it. Number four, because I was thinking, is like, is it was either gonna be, it was either gonna be Hateful Eight or Kill Bill Volume Two, but I was like, mm, I'd go for Hateful Eight because it's got that complete story to it. True. So. And so, so Quentin's tenth film, the movie critic. Yes. It's gonna be set in the seventies. Set in nineteen seventy-seven. Uh, of course, because Tarantino's obsessed with that that era and the era that he grew up in, which I get it. I have like the nostalgia. I'm sure yeah. we're never gonna stop feeling for 2000s films, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there was rumors that it was about Pauline Kael, a very famous Fuck, film critic of the not? 70s. And unfortunately, he cleared it up recently that it's not. But it is going to follow a, a film critic in the 70s, in 1977, and it's starting to film this fall. So okay. I'm really looking forward to that. This sounds like a very Tarantino film. Yeah. His specialty, the 70s. He knows how to make, he knows how to do a period piece of the 70s. He showed us that in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. 67. It's not about Pauline Kael. Does that mean that even though it's not about her, is she going to be featured perhaps slightly? I want to see the actress who plays her as well as, oh, I don't know if it's too early, but Roger Ebert, Siskel. I want to see them. I'd love to see that. But it is late. Well, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I know a ton of critics back in the day, so I'd like to see the actors that he gets playing those roles. As well as, who knows, maybe this critic is a fictional character. And if it is, then who knows? Maybe Tarantino is going to put a lot of fucking heart and soul into it, which he always does. I know he will. And I hope he brings back a lot of his reoccurring cast yeah. for the final the final Dude. banger. Samuel's got to be in it. Christoph Waltz. you know, all Michael Madsen's definitely. Michael Madsen. Yeah. You got to get them in it. But I'm really looking forward to that and happy to see that it's already going to start filming this fall. Fuck yeah. And we will end it off there. Thank you for watching this episode of The Real Talk Podcast. Don't forget to give us a like, a comment. Comment your favorite Tarantino movie. What's his most underrated? What's his best? And uh, subscribe to your boys. Take care. Brush your hair. Peace out, y'all.